What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. Now we got it. Hi. That was my fault. I didn't have that on, and uh, I was distracted. (laughs) Surprise. Um, Yeah, I am Brian, and I'm glad that you guys are here. Uh, If you weren't here for the intro, um, I'm I'm the pastor here, uh, and I'm just glad that we get to be together. What was awesome was this morning... um, we didn't have to hardly move any tables, uh, <laughs> which was really cool. Sorry, I've got like a thing in my throat <clears throat> from all the singing that I just did as the worship leader. Let me take a sip of this coffee. Brought to you by markwest.com. If you have any needs from Mark, uh, he will help you out. Mark West uh, is a sponsor of Restoration Church. Actually, it was a cup that was over there, and I just took it. Um, <clears throat> I am really, really thankful. I want to just uh, echo what, what Clayton said. I just said echo. That was stupid. Um, I want to I just reiterate what Clayton said and say thank you um, for those of you that showed up and were a part of it. Even if you didn't show up, if you give to this church, you were a part of it because um, we, we had to pay for the food. They didn't just give us the food to give away. We had to pay for it. Um, and, and so we want to just say thank you. Uh, it's unbelievable that a church this size has been able to do what we've been able to do in the community. Um, We've helped out so many different um, organizations throughout our our time here, um, and it's it's been unbelievable. It sounds like I'm losing my voice, and maybe I am. I just got back from vacation, um, and I didn't talk the entire vacation. So that little bit of singing, and now this, has just completely ruined my voice. Um, But we, we... we have given, I think it's over $14,000 now back out into the community um, since our beginning in September, which is, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an incredible thing um, to, to see what God has done with this church in just a short amount of time, um, and then to be able to partner with other, other churches and, and have unity with other churches um, which, to be honest, you guys, has been something that's been lacking in northern Michigan, specifically in the Traverse City area, uh, a, a lack of unity amongst churches, and it's been sad. Um, there's been church splits, there's been church um, anger and, and just <clears throat> disunity in the church. And so to be able to partner with the church, we even had uh, a card that we put in every single box. Uh, on the front of the card was Harvest Bible Service Times, and on the back 
was our service times. And so it was like, you know what? Wherever you want to go is cool. Uh, just get involved. Um, be a part of a church. Uh, and, and I think the more the community sees that unity, the more we're going to see change in the community. When the church works together uh, to change the community, we're going to see change in the community. Instead of we're going to go do our thing, they're going to go do their thing. We don't line up on everything with Harvest. We don't line up with everything with every church in Traverse City, but we unite on the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And so um, that's what we're about, <clears throat> and we're glad that you're here. I hope I can get through the entire sermon. Um, I just went to, yeah, Clayton does a good job. He'll just, uh, he'll fill in for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I, we just got back from a vacation in Washington, D.C., and uh, so, guys, I met with Joe, and we're on the right track, okay? I told him what I think, <clears throat> and, and things are going to go really well for us here in the future. So, Joe and I are good. I just walked up, knocked on the door, surprised, they just let me in, and uh, I petted their dog before he died, and then um, he died. Their dog died recently. That wasn't a joke. I just made sure that, you know, it, I didn't kill the dog, okay? It was just, he, he, he died while we were in Washington. I'm not going to dig out of that one. Okay, so anyway, we go around and we were looking at all these different monuments um, in, in D.C. And there's like the Washington Memorial, there's the Lincoln Memorial, and there's like the Thomas Jefferson Memorial, and a bunch of other memorials <laughs> and monuments. And <clears throat> it was really cool to see all of these different things. And um, we, as I'm, I'm looking around at, at all of these different monuments, I, I, I couldn't help but remember throughout uh, the last few years, we'll say, uh, there's been a big uh, push to try to diminish our forefathers, diminish anything. Like, if anybody did anything wrong ever in the past, we just want to get rid of them immediately, right? It's like, you know what? That person tweeted something 15 years ago. They're not allowed to be in whatever position they're in anymore. Or that person uh, was doing things culturally at the time were okay, but they're not okay now. And so we need to remove them from the history books. And I, I, I'm not going to get into politics with you guys, but Every human being is a flawed human being. And I'm not giving anybody a pass with that statement. All I'm saying is that we are all flawed human beings. Anybody that we look up to is a flawed human being. I, I look at the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. It was awesome. It was this cool thing. I also know he ripped out pages of the Bible that he didn't agree with so that he could have slaves. I, that's, <clears throat> that's not an easy thing to overcome. But you look at also what he did, and the monument still stands to that man, his flaws and everything. I think if there were monuments to people in the Bible, Abraham would have been one of those monuments that we would have, right? If we had like a Bible monument place, I don't know, it would be in the Bible Belt somewhere in the south probably. <clears throat> but uh, we have the ark, we just got to get the other one. So um, we, we have these... Uh, like these, these heroes of the faith. In fact, there's an entire chapter in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 devoted to the heroes of the faith. And if you look at these, these heroes that we would call them, these people that we look up to, we're like, wow, I wish I could be like that person. I wish I could be like David. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, your neighbor doesn't want you to be like David. Um, <clears throat> I, you, you can't... <laughs> You, you, you think, man, I wish I could be more like, like Moses, and, um, but 
if, if you're a leader of any kind, you probably don't want to be like Moses because he, he just, he made bad decisions and was forced to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and he killed a guy, um, an Egyptian, for, for something that he had done. Uh, we gloss over that part of the story. But, um, and, and then we look at a guy like Abraham. It's like, man, the father, the father Abraham, who had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm still sad that we haven't done that song at all uh, in this, this chapter, uh, in this series that we're doing. And, and we look at Abraham, and he's like, wow, what a guy. What a guy that Abraham. I mean, the faith of Abraham was something to behold. And Abraham was a guy who struggled. He was a guy who continually made bad decisions. We looked at it in the very first study in Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis where he lied about Sarah being his wife and said, no, she's my sister. Remember that? And, 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 and he has to go and then Pharaoh is like, why did you lie to me? And it's this big thing. We thought maybe we would be over that by now. We have these heroes of the faith. Abraham was a flawed individual. We thought we would be over. We thought Abraham would be done with that lifestyle, that, that lying type of lifestyle, that going back and, and, and uh, depending only on yourself. But we find out in chapter 20, which is not nearly as heavy as chapter 19. So thank you for coming back. Um, not not any, any, any dig on Clayton. Chapter 19 was difficult, which is why I went to Washington, D.C. <clears throat> I was like, I want to get as far away from this as possible. <laughs> Clayton, you're in charge. Um, yeah, that's not true, but it could have been. Um, this isn't nearly as heavy, but I think there's important things to learn from chapter 20 from Abraham, and, and one of them is that he's a flawed individual, and I hope that we can be transparent with each other and be like, yeah, Abraham's flawed, I'm flawed, you're flawed, we're all flawed. I was going to do something really not cool, but uh, I'm going to save it for later in a small group. Um, so we're going to be in chapter 20 today, and I got to hustle because there's a group coming in uh, at 11 o'clock, and so like we're up against it already. So verse 1, and starting in Genesis chapter 20, we're going to see what Abraham does. So uh, Abraham, uh, from there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negeb and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. <clears throat> and Abraham said of his Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So here we go. Abraham has the same thing again. He goes into another territory. He leaves this area because he probably doesn't want to look down on Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. He he, what he assumes is that his, his, uh, his nephew Lot was destroyed in Sodom. There's no, like Clayton said last week, there's no uh, biblical support one way or the other, but he moves from the area. He doesn't want to be reminded of the judgment that just rained down on Sodom, I would imagine. And so he moves out of the area, and he goes into this place called Gerar, and it's in an unknown territory. It's an unfamiliar place, and Abraham goes back to what he knows. Anytime he's faced with something difficult, he's going to go back to what he knows most. His, his innate thing is like, oh, right. Sarah, you know the drill. You know the drill, Sarah. You're my sister. When we get into this land, you're my sister. Abraham is old in this moment. And I can say that because he's older than everybody in this room in this time. He's almost 100 years old at this time. He is old. And he's still going back to the same things as before. 
Age doesn't sanctify us. You might think, oh, by the time I'm 40, then I am going to be more mature. I'm gonna be a better Christian when I'm 40. Just wait, I just gotta get a little bit older, get some of these things worked out of my system, and then I will be much closer to Jesus when I'm 40. And then we get to 40, and we're like, probably when I'm 50, I will be a much better Christian. I'll be closer to Jesus. And you will be closer to Jesus just because you're closer to death. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) age doesn't sanctify us the only thing that's going to sanctify us is Jesus Christ and putting our faith in him we can't rest on hey when I get older like we think that time cures everything but time doesn't cure anything time makes things funnier but it doesn't cure anything real life is a contradiction isn't it because in chapter 18 Abraham had a very close relationship with Jesus. In chapter 18, he had a good communication with Jesus. They sat down and had a meal together, and Jesus and two angels, if you remember that one. And uh, they had a great convo. They talked for a while, and, uh, and Abraham even interceded for Sodom. And here we find just a little bit later, two chapters later, which isn't a lot of time because Sarah still hasn't had a baby yet. So in less than a year, just maybe a couple months later, Abraham is lying again. It's not even a couple months later. He's back to his old self. Just moments uh, moments before he was close to Jesus. And that's exactly how it is for us in life too, I think. Real life is a mixture of contradictions. He's a great person, but he also does some pretty crappy stuff. I'm a great person. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm, well, I'm not a great person. I'm an okay person, but I do some pretty crappy stuff. Abraham Lincoln was a pretty great president, but he did some pretty crappy stuff. That's life. It's how we respond to it. All right, let's keep going. Verse three. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. When God shows up in your dream and says, you're a dead man, (laughs) you're gonna be sweating when you wake up. You're gonna have to change your sheets. Uh, now, Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. God's mercy is present here. God has to intervene because Abraham makes a really dumb move and tries to rely on himself, and God has to intervene. Remember that God promised Abraham and Sarah a child. And this kind of throws a wrench in those plans a little bit. It's going to cast doubt. Is that really Abraham's kid? The spoiler alert, Abraham and Sarah finally have a child. But imagine if God had not intervened and and she spent any time whatsoever with Abimelech. There would have been a seed of doubt in Abraham's camp. Like, I, I don't know. There was a time when he told everyone that she was his sister 
and she went with Abimelech. It could be Abimelech's kid. There's always that seed of doubt. So God has to intervene and tell Abimelech, bro, you're a dead man. You have picked the wrong woman here. <laughs> if you think that she's going to be your wife, you've got to think again, and you've got to take care of this right now. And Abimelech is like, yeah, okay, good. But remember, I'm innocent right now, and God understands that Abimelech is innocent. And isn't it interesting that he says to, Ab that he says to Abimelech, hey, take Sarah back to Abraham, and he's going to pray for you. He's a prophet. Even though Abraham is in sin right now, even though he is not doing things according to what God's will is, God's love is still there for Abraham and he still has a plan for Abraham. He's like, I'm going to make this right and you're going to go back to her and he's going, or you're going to go back to him and he's going to pray for you. That's the mercy of God and his mercy is still intact even when we're far from him, which is comforting. Verse 8. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all of his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. <clears throat> it's interesting. They don't say that the men were very much afraid when chapter, you know, little surgery happened with Abraham. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'll keep going. Verse 9, then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me in my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abimelech just calls out Abraham. Conviction cannot wait. That morning, Abraham or Abimelech goes and takes care of it. Verse 11, Abraham said, I did it because I thought there was no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister. What? <laughs> How many saw that one coming? The daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. <clears throat> Did you guys know that? So it was like a half-truth. It was a half-truth. Like he was telling a partial truth. He fibbed a little bit. There was a little bit of a fib there. Yeah, Sarah was actually a half sister of Abraham. I'm not going to get into that. Because I don't know. Is that fair? I don't know. Let's move on. What I do know is that we should fear God, not man. Abraham says in verse 11, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. See, he thought the fear of man was, was greater than his fear of God. So he was, gonna, uh, he was going to um, just relax on his convictions. He was going to compromise his convictions a little bit and do this thing. Just a little bit. Kind of like what Clayton talked about last week. Just a little bit. What, if, what, what would have happened if Abimelech had not called out Abraham on this? What kind of path might he have gone down? Let's keep going. Verse 13, And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. You must do me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. So they had this planned out beforehand. 
way back before they even moved, they had this planned out. Abraham was like, any country we go into, just say that you're my sister, and that's going to cover us for a lot of stuff. This was a pre-planned out rebellion, which is every single rebellion and every single sin is always pre-planned out. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. This is incredibly important. Verse 16 is incredibly important for Sarah and Abraham because of the things that I mentioned before. She has promised a child. She knows that she's promised a child. Abraham knows that she's promised a child. If Abimelech doesn't do this, again, there's that seed of doubt. And Abimelech is basically saying before all of Abraham's camp, this woman is still pure. I did nothing with this woman. She is innocent. And that's incredibly important to know for this camp because this promise of God is going to be fulfilled in the next chapter. Verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. God was leaving nothing to chance. While Sarah was there, no kids are being born. While Sarah's there, no kids are happening. And that's this chapter. That's this story. God restored Abimelech and his wife and his slaves. Abimelech did what God asked him to do. Abimelech goes to Abraham. And Abraham prays for him. And Abimelech and his whole household, his whole, all of his people are restored and healthy again. There's some commentary that says maybe Abimelech was sick, that he had come down with like a nasty flu or something so that he wouldn't sleep with Sarah. And Abraham prays this prayer. So what does that have to do? What, how, how, how do we connect that with us? How does this story relate to us in any shape or form? Well, there's some pretty cool things that happen here. Um, Abimelech goes and calls out Abraham. And then Abraham has a conversation with Abimelech. And they come to an understanding. Now, I don't know how popular that was in this day and, day and age, to, to just come to an understanding over verbal agreements and things like this and, and, and bring whatever you need to bring to, to appease. But this was a peaceful negotiation that we would like to call it. And what I got out of that is, is that communication kills conflict. Communication kills conflict. We have a couple of different things that happened here that are for this in, 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 a, in both the positive and the negative. Number one is um, if Abraham had only communicated truth, if Abraham had only relied on God and communicated with God, communicated with Sarah, communicated with the people around him, it would have killed this entire conflict. Nothing would have happened that we know of. We would have to believe that God was going to take care of Sarah and all of Abraham's camp. He had faith at one point that that was true. But the fear of man went against him. The second thing 
with communication killing conflict that we see in the story is Abimelech comes and, and calls out Abraham and says, bro, why did you do this to me? What have I done to you? They have an open conversation. There's no passive aggressive things. So it would have been nice to say that. I didn't know you like your sister. Any passive aggressive stuff. It just, it wasn't there. It was just all out on the table. Why are you doing this? Why did this happen? They were very direct. Communication kills conflict. And y'all probably know this, like we're in the South right now. Y'all probably know that communication kills conflict in a, in a relationship. For those of you that are married or, or newly engaged, communication kills conflict. When we ignore issues, when we ignore things, that's when things start to have issues in our lives. It's like a little splinter. Do you ever get a little splinter in your finger and you can't get it out? And it just stays there forever and you're like, yeah, maybe it'll just get better. And then your finger gets more and more red. <laughs> like, I don't think this is getting any better. It becomes more and more of a problem the longer you leave that splinter in there. But as soon as you take that splinter out, then, then, then some, some restoration can happen for your little finger and you can take the little Flintstones Band-Aid off. A little splinter that goes unnoticed is, is a pretty difficult thing. Communication, when there's a lack of communication, it's like a splinter in your finger. And there's a pain there and we can't figure out what it is. So I got a few things that go along with communication killing conflict and I need to run through them as quickly as I can. Number one, uh, we need to seek to understand. We need to seek to understand what's going on around me. A lot of us think of communication as only one-sided. Like, I'm going to tell you what I think and then I'm going to leave, right? That's not communication. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving a speech and you're giving a speech to someone. When you share what it is you think and then don't let the other person talk, that's not communication. That is not seeking to understand. That's seeking to be understood. When we put that above seeking to understand, we're going to have issues in communication. Communication kills conflict when we seek to understand where the other person is coming from. Take this at work, take it at home, take it with your kids. You can take this anywhere, whether you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus. Communication kills conflict, and if you seek to understand, that's going to go well for you. Abimelech in this moment says, I need to understand something. It doesn't make sense to me, Abraham. Why did you do what you did? Did you catch that? Abimelech says, why did you do what you did? He's seeking to understand. Now, we can ask that in a, in, in a couple of different ways. You can say, why, why did you do that? <laughs> or you can do it with like, why did you do that? <laughs> There's a couple of different it's, it's important how you say things as well. I didn't put that on there, but it's important. Seeking to understand. Number two, let people inside your brain. I know it's scary in there. All right? I know there's a lot of weird stuff happening in your brain, at least if your brain is anything like mine. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on, but if you let people inside your brain, if you communicate what's going on inside your brain, it's going to go well for you. It's interesting, just this past week, we had a board meeting. I wasn't there, and it went really well. The board meeting went really well without me there, which I think is, we're on to something here. But we had a board meeting, and uh, they were able to share some stuff that they were talking about. Our board, or that they were, that they were not, not concerned with, just feelings of inadequacy on the board from, from every member of the board. I hope I'm not, like, sharing information I shouldn't share. They didn't tell me not to, but I didn't ask, so... Um, 
But I can say that that's the case for me too. That I'm an insecure person and I feel very inadequate being here in front of you guys. If I can be completely honest, that's what goes on inside of my brain. When we say what's going, inside, going on inside of our brain, restoration can happen. So the board, they chatted about this, about what they were feeling insecure about, that they were feeling inadequate with things, and they had the best board meeting that they've ever had. They were able to share things that they were thinking, things that were going on, and it was like a family again. Man, let people inside your brain. I know it's scary, but sometimes we got to do that. Number three, submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. In communication, submit to what the Holy... We don't have to say everything. We don't have to share our opinion all of the time. It's not always something that has to be shared at every moment of every time. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll tell us, no, 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 don't talk. No, <laughs> not, not time to talk. Or there'll be that nudge, yeah, you should probably say something. At that board meeting, that time, it was time to say something. The next thing, next point, is renew your mind. Renew your mind. Abraham is stuck in the exact same thing, the same sin, different day. He's 99 years old. He's in the same sin that he was before. Romans 12, 2 tells us that. says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So renew your mind, and there's three things with that. We've got to wrap this up in three minutes. So here's, I've got a minute per point. Time me. All right, renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 tells us to renew our mind, that we have to hold on to truth. It's the same sin, different day with Abraham. He needed to renew his mind. Here's the thing, transformed, when it says renew your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, transformed, that word transformed is the exact same word that they use uh, when Jesus is transformed on the mountaintop in, in the gospel. You can go read about it sometime if you want to. When Jesus transformed from his human self to his God self, he transforms. This is the exact same type of transformation that God wants for us. He doesn't want us just to change a little bit, just to be a little bit different. He wants us to change. So when we renew our mind, we seek to understand. Seek to understand why you sin. What is making me do this? What's the cause? What's the root issue here? Seek to understand why we sin. Number two, let people inside your brain. Have accountability with one another. Open up with somebody about what you're dealing with. Communicate. Number three, Submit to the Holy Spirit. That was a record, by the way. I just did those three in less than like 60 seconds, I think. That's what it takes, you guys. Now, this can't be the only time that we get together and do this stuff because this is a short message. It's a short time that we get to have together. We've got Thursday nights. We've got Wednesday nights. We've got a Tuesday night. And we've got right after the service. Do you know you don't have to leave? You can stay and hang out and chat. In fact, if you want to have a group that meets here right after church, right after this service, go grab a beer, have something, we encourage you to do that. And we'll talk more about what that looks like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us, for your life. 
uh, God, for your resurrection. And it's in your name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen.